Welcome! Here at Waterstone, we focus on living and loving like Jesus. In practice, this means that we connect with one another, engage in justice, and serve sacrificially. We're so glad that you're here and invite you to join us in person. If you're able to attend weekend services, we're gathering on Saturdays at 5.30 and Sundays for one service at 10. Come early for coffee and donuts at 9.30. We look forward to connecting with you. Well, good morning, Waterstone. Hope you are uh, doing well today. Um, This is a good service. Good services are are sometimes joyful and hard. Good services sometimes remind us that uh, to follow Christ is a joyful thing, a thing that brings uh, great fulfillment in our life that can also be a very difficult thing. And as Larry just prayed, it reminds me of how difficult it can be sometimes to follow Christ. And yet, Today we're here on this Thanksgiving week to uh, talk about Thanksgiving and gratitude. And um, we've already experienced some good things today. I'm I'm very thankful. I have a lot of gratitude in my heart to get to baptize um, Kate. Um, Told you a little bit of the story down there. You know, the truth is if my son would get off his butt and ask her to marry him, then we would move on (laughs) with this thing. Because, uh, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, she brings a lot more to our family than he does sometimes. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> if, you know, if you know my son Drew and I, we have this relationship of joking and, and making fun of each other. It's just how, how we are, and it's part of how our family is. But it does bring a lot of joy um, to just be a part of that and to see that. Uh, aside from baptizing all three of my kids, that, that could have been the most emotional time I've had as far as baptizing. And uh, by the way, this is one of those days uh, where, for whatever reason, the emotions for me are kind of right there on the surface. And so if I start crying today, I apologize for that. But um, for whatever reason, my heart's full of gratitude. Um, before I begin uh, this, I, I was asked by Larry to give you an update. So we're going to back up a little bit and, g- and give you an update of, of where we were. A couple of weeks ago, Marla and Todd, two of our elders, came before you and gave you an update of where we are financially for this time of year. They told you then that um, our giving was under what we expected for this time of year by a significant amount. And I want to report to you that um, really that, re- that, that report... Uh, announcement did did some good things giving has increased although not enough to cover the shortfall but giving has increased and I want to say thank you thank you thank you so much for those of you who call Waterstone home and believe in the ministry and work that happens here it happens in this community you support Waterstone well we're so thankful for that a couple reminders just remember that um, for Waterstone as well as most nonprofits most churches December is a big time Um, A big time of giving. It covers a lot for the year. And so we just ask you to please remember Waterstone as you plan your year-end giving. And in a final word, for those of you who are new to Waterstone and you've been a part of what's going on, um, but maybe you've never um, been a part of the giving at Waterstone, we just want to invite you as a part of that. If you believe, if you've enjoyed, if you like what's happening here at Waterstone, we invite you to participate through giving back to God what's already his in the first place. He's given us so much. He's given us so much, and giving back to him is part of our discipleship to him. And so to do that, you can go online, waterstonechurch.org, or in the back on either side of the door, there's a couple of gray boxes. If you'd prefer to give in person, you can do that. 
there. Is that a deal? Thank you guys so much. Um, so a, a true story. Um, I once preached the perfect sermon. Do you believe that? You hear the story? Um, well, it didn't happen last night in the Saturday night service. I can guarantee you that. Um, but I preached the, the perfect sermon this morning, actually. It was in the shower. Is anyone else like me? Like you get in the shower, the hot water's running, and suddenly all the things swirling in your head become a lot more clear. And literally, I, I sat there and, and using way too much hot water and was pouring through this sermon, and, and suddenly I was like, wow, that was really, really good. Um, I doubt it'll happen again, but <laughs> it was really, really good. The point is, for guys like me, I mean, um, you know, when, when it's time to preach, man, it is just, uh, it's a little bit of a chore for me. It's not something I do on a weekly basis, and, and so I covet your prayers, and I, I honestly want to represent um, what God wants to do in our body today well. And so on that, would you just join me in a quick prayer this morning as we start? God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the work that you're doing at Waterstone and for the people you bring here. And God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come, for your Holy Spirit to teach and guide and bring peace. And God, we pray that your, um, your rule would just be supreme in this time today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So a few years ago, um, actually about 30 years ago, um, when I was 19 or 20, um, I was in, in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm from, and me and uh, some buddies were leading worship for this college gathering. Uh, if you don't know me and my history, I was a worship guy for many, many years. And so we were leading worship for this college gathering, and my really good friend Mark, who we gr actually we grew up together, Mark became a worship pastor in the Atlanta area, led just these huge churches. He's far better musician than I ever could be. And we're sitting there, and he goes, hey, let's write a song. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, let's write a song and sing it tonight for this, this gathering. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you write a song? Because that's never something that had been a part of my history or time. But he says, well, let's, let's just look in the Psalms. And so I said, okay, we'll look in the Psalms. And so I began to look in the Psalms. He did, a few other people did. And people started throwing out ideas and and I said, well, what about this? And I don't, I don't remember the psalm, but let's just say it's Psalm 80. I don't even know what Psalm 80 is. But I said, let's Psalm 80. And it was kind of probably 30, 30 verses, big, long psalm. And uh, he says, okay, what part? And I'm like, well, the whole thing. And uh, he's like, Billy, we're not writing a book. We're writing a song. His point there was... And writing a song, it's like writing a sermon or talking or giving a sermon, really it's the big points that matter. And you can take these big, long pieces of scripture and we have to find the big point of where that is. And that's part of the crafting of, of writing sermons or songs. And, and as I went this week, this last couple of weeks, and, and took this idea of where we want to go today to Larry and Paul, um, they were nicely telling me that I had a lot uh, of, of stuff to chew on and I really needed to boil it down to where we're at. And so that's what we're planning to do today is boil it down. What we're talking about is gratitude and thanksgiving. Where we're preaching from is Colossians 3. And I'm going to preach a little bit on Colossians 3, but what I want you to know about Colossians 3, we're doing the first 17 verses of Colossians 3, um, and it's too much. And so there are three sections in that. We're going to really go the first two sections pretty quickly today, 
and we're going to get to the third section and spend the bulk of our time on the third section, which really focuses a bit on Thanksgiving. Um, but the big picture today, where we're going is, what I want you to know is gratitude, gratitude, living a life of gratitude is a result of how we see Christ, how we see who he is and what he's done. That's where we are going today. Is that a deal? All right, so let's start then in verse 1 to get a big uh, overview of where we're at um, at the beginning of this verse. So this is where everything starts. I just want to read it to you. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So there's three things I want to take from this verse to kind of overview. These three things are represented in the first four verses of Colossians 3. And the three things I want to point out is first, how we see Christ. So Christ is represented in this verse as king, as Lord of everything. You see that in a couple of ways as being raised with Christ. Christ is up there somewhere and he's seated at the right hand of God. So he and God are side by side, ruling and reigning over the earth. You see that? Uh, the second thing I want to point out is where we are. In this verse, right at the beginning, we are raised with Christ. So it's implied in this verse that we were dead in our sins. If you see that over and over in Paul's writings, that we were dead in our sins. But because of our faith and trust in Christ, we are raised with him to new life. So we are with Christ because of who he is, not because of anything we can do. You see that? And then the third thing I want to point out in this verse, and this is the very middle part, it says, set your hearts on things above. Now, this is a central idea, a central theme to what we're going to talk about today, because you see that idea of setting your hearts on things above implies that there are things below. It implies that there are heavenly things and there are earthly things, that there are godly desires and there are earthly desires, the earthly sinful nature that we possess. And so when we see that, we start to recognize that as we go in this verse, there is a tension, there's a tension between our own earthly nature, who we want to be, who we are born to be, and what God desires for us through a new heart, a new life in Christ. There's a tension that we live in, and if I can just reveal the ending a little bit, that tension is part of living a life of gratitude. We want to be a happy people. We want to be a thankful people. We understand even innately that our lives will be better if we can be grateful all the time, and yet there's this tension between who we want to be and who we actually are sometimes, and that's the tension that we're going to wrestle with today. So that's the first section, verses 1 through 4, really the motivation, if you will, of why we uh, want this life of, of gratitude. The second section starts in verse 5 um, through 11. And the main verse there I want to point out um, is, is this verse. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So again, you see in this passage the idea of death and life. Because we are alive in Christ, we put to death these things that we don't want. This list, if I could talk, this is a device that's used in Scripture a lot. It's called a vice versus virtue list. And this is the list of vices. By the way, this list goes on in the next few uh, verses to include these things, anger, 
rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying. This is the list of vices that we don't want to have in our life. That's who we are. We don't want these things, and yet, many times, these things show up. This is what Paul talks about earlier in Thessalonians when he says, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. Do you see that tension that we live in as we try to follow Christ? It reminds me, I'm going to tell another story about my son Drew. Is that okay? Um, He knows about this one. Um, And so... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Drew was, I don't know, two or three years old, you know, sorry, uh, two or three years old, and uh, we're going somewhere in, in our minivan back in the day, and everybody had a minivan back in the day, right? And, um, and so we get him in the car, put him in the car seat, and I say something to him like, Drew, buckle your seat or something, and he gives me the words that every parent hates to hear from their kids. He says, shut up. Did you hear that shock, Drew? Did you hear that? That's shock. <laughs> and so over and over, like, I'm like, Drew, you, you can't say that. Shut up. His mom, Sarah, was like, Drew, you better knock it off right now. Shut up. I mean, it was probably 10 or 12 times. Just shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And so finally, um, I, I think I'm patient. No, nah, probably not. But I got out of the car, walked around, opened this, this car door and looked at him, and I said, Drew, if you say that one more time, you're in serious trouble. And he was looking at me, and you can see the wheels turning, right? You know this. Parents, you know this. You can see the wheels turning. And what am I going to choose in this moment? And Drew looked at me, and he just slowly turned his head away. And he gets really quiet, and he says, shut up. We talk about that story a lot in our family. It's, it's one of the classics. But um, here's the point. That, that's an illustration of this idea of the things we know we should do, but there's something within us that fights against what we want to do, right? And that's the tension we live in this, this list of, of vices, and that's the stuff we don't want to do. Um, so then we move to the next passage, the next chap- uh, verses of this chapter, Um, starting in verse 12. And this is where we want to spend a little bit more time, if we can. And I'm calling this part um, really the intentionality of of living this grateful life. It's, it's, you know, we have to submit things. These are the things that we want to do. These are the people that we want to be. This is who we want to be. And yet, we find it really hard to live up this. And so I'm going to read, this is going to be a longer passage if you bear with me. I'm going to read this starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Is the second part of that verse up there, Tara? Sorry, starting in verse 15? Yeah, Um, and this continues. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so you can see in that long passage, this is the desires of our heart. We can read that and go, this is who we want to be. This is how we want to live. Who does not want to be gentle and patient and loving and kind and forgiving and grateful? We, we hear this all the time in culture, but we also know this innately that that's how we should live. And yet, there's something inside of us that pushes against this, the earthly nature inside of us that pushes against this, the tension that we all deal with. I was thinking about this passage as I read it first. The beginning part of this is clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And when I heard that, I was thinking back to a fad that happened a couple of years ago, a few years ago, kind of a, a fashion fad. And that was when we was very, very popular for people to wear sweatshirts or hats or t-shirts with really cool slogans on them like um, be nice or be kind or love everyone. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Raise your hands if you know what I'm talking about with this fad. Yeah, Saturday night, they, they weren't up to fad things. They didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but I figured that you guys would get this. I was doing some research and thinking through a way to illustrate this. And I was like, hey, let me look at some pictures or something. But I, I'm, I'm sure you guys get this. But what I found when I was doing some research on this was really um, weird. I found a t-shirt slogan generator online. Now what that means is, it's a website, you put a word in, hit enter, and it comes up with thousands of slogans with that word in it. And then the idea is you take that slogan, slap it on a t-shirt, and go sell it and make some money, right? Um, and so I was like, oh, let's give this a try. And so I put in the word, it's Thanksgiving week, I put in the word thankful, okay, thankful. Um, it came up with some, some decent ones, you know, like be thankful. I think that's pretty obvious, right? There are a couple more, um, simply thankful, a little weird. Um, live thankful, I think it should be thankfully, but I'm not an English major, but anyway, that's what it spit out, live thankful. But then it came up with some really, really terrible ones. Um, you want to hear these? Um, <laughs> I mean, there were thousands of these. So I just grabbed a few and wrote them down. But, um, and I promise you all these were on the sheet. Um, get thankful or get out. <laughs> I think I've told that to some of my kids from time to time. <laughs> now with 50% more thankful. I okay, I apologize for this one. Apologize, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, thankful to hell with the rest. <laughs> I don't know. And then this last one, I promise it was there. I don't, it's just dumb. But it said, only thankful can prevent forest fires. <laughs> I do think these are attempts. These are um, ways. We all understand that we want to live in this way. We want to live this life that's described in these verses, a life of love and thankfulness and gratitude and, 
And that's a good thing. And I do think these attempts at t-shirts and other ways we put it on our walls, we write notes of scripture and put it on our mirrors. We do these things to remind us over and over of who we want to be, who God has made us to be. Those are good, good things. Um, and I'm not pushing against that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that the desire to live in this way, it comes from a different place. It comes from deeper than just our own um, our own desires. It comes from this idea of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we're going to get there in just a minute. But before we do, I want to focus a little bit of where we've been pushing to this whole time. And that is this idea of gratitude. Now, if you notice in this scripture, in the last three verses right here, um, starting um, with the end of verse 15, I believe it is, it, it starts. And it, three times in the last three verses, Paul talks about gratitude and thankfulness. Um, if you notice right there, and be thankful. Then he goes on, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So you see three times in there. So what I'd like to do is take just a couple of minutes and hit those three instances and talk a little bit about some things that we can glean from that. Is that okay? The first instance, and give thanks. What I want you to see about that is this idea of gratitude is not circumstantial. Notice what it says, and, and be thankful. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say and give thanks. Be thankful. Being thankful is a state of being. It's a state of living. It's a state of life that we are in. We are thankful people. Giving thanks can be situational. Giving thanks can be circumstantial. But I think what Paul is saying here is that being thankful is a part of how we should live. The second instance comes in a little bit more um, intricately. I, I describe this one as um, gratitude. It's corporate worship. Now, true confession, I tried to get away from that phrase. I really did. Uh, what I wanted this verse to say is that being thankful is all a part of having friends and being together. But if you look carefully at verse 16, it says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. If you notice that, that's the same language we see over and over in the New Testament where we're describing what it means for God's people to gather together to worship Jesus, to gather together in corporate worship. There's something about us being together, and there's something about us worshiping Jesus that gets our eyes off of ourselves, gets our eyes on him and brings the gratitude in our heart. We cannot give up corporate worship. We cannot give up being together and learning from each other and growing from each other. We see Jesus in each other. And being together helps us to have that gratitude. The third instance of this, a little bit more obscure, but um, I, I described it this way. Gratitude, it's in the name of Jesus. Sorry about the typo up there. Um, it's in the name of Jesus. And here's the verse. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What I think he's saying is, is, is everything we do is for him 
and through him. Everything we do points to Jesus. And we, when we live lives of gratitude, it points to Jesus as our king. So to bring this home, I want to bring this back to where we started and really focus on the first four verses because, again, that's the motivation for why. And then we've gone through the, how hard it is to live in this tension. I wish I could answer that question for you, but it's a tension. And hopefully, the more we follow Christ, the more we pursue him, the more we live for him, that tension becomes a little bit easier. But it, I don't think it goes away. But the motivation is who Christ is and what Christ has done. And so I want to read this entire first four verses of Colossians 3, and I hope you see some things in these four verses. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You see, I think we know what it means to live a grateful life. I believe we want to live a life of gratitude more than anything else. We want to live that life. But where's the motivation from? Because I think in many circles today, the idea comes, man, if you just try hard enough, man, if you just have a habit of doing it every day forever, then that gratitude would come. And I believe those things help. Don't get me wrong. I believe those things help. But I believe the true motivation for what it means to live this way comes from understanding who Christ is and what Christ does. You see, Christ did not come to make bad things good. Christ did not come to make bad people better people. Christ came to make dead things alive. Do you understand that? He came to make dead people alive. We were dead in our sins, and Christ made us alive. Now this morning, if you're in the room, and you don't know and haven't placed your faith in Christ, have chosen to follow him, just as you saw four people choose to do in display this morning, I just invite you and say, we want to talk. There will be people up here this morning who will pray with you, talk to you, help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. For the rest of us, I don't know how to say this differently, stop the striving Stop the working so hard to live a certain way and embrace the tension and know that Jesus has already done the work for you. Jesus has done the work for you. We can trust in him. And so this morning, I want to invite you into a time of contemplation, into a time of understanding more of why we're so thankful to Jesus today. Maddie and the band are going to come, and they're going to sing a song. And I do invite you just to sit in it. And there may come a time as the song goes on where your heart 
yearns for you to stand up and worship Jesus. And if that's what you want, if that's what God leads, then, then do that. But more than that, I want you to, to sit in this time of gratitude. That's what this song's called, Gratitude. <laughs> 